Hi, good evening and welcome to the locker room at the Euros. Obviously, we are on ahead of Scotland's big game tonight against England. And um, don't worry, we'll be back after the game at 10 o'clock with your points of view on the game. But um, we were joined by a very special guest on the show, um, by Scotland's manager, it got us to the... Uh, Euro 96, Craig Brown, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's a legend, I think, in, in football terms, and, and he's had a wide career. I mean, we all remember um, how he was at the tail end of his management career, I think, with Scotland, and that's what you tend to remember these days. But we all forget, you know, he had a playing career um, in Scotland as well. His playing career started at youth level with Rangers. Um, and then he eventually moved on to Dundee, as you'll hear in the interview. He moved on to Dundee and was at Falkirk as well before a knee injury or a series of knee injury injuries, sadly, um, knocked him out of the game. So his career could have been a lot different if it wasn't for, for those knee injuries or and knee operations that ultimately cut his career short. Um, but then he moved on to coaching and a series of assistant roles before he took on his first managerial job with Clyde again. I think he mentioned Clyde in 1977-77. And he spent 10 years there and won the second division in the year that I was born, actually, in 1982. Um, and all of this while he was actually teaching the primary school level. And I think he was lecturing as well. So he had a career in education as well as winning the title with Clyde and having those 10 years at Clyde. Um, and eventually... You know, there was a bit of hiatus there until he moved into full-time football. And that opportunity came as the assistant to Andy Roxburgh. Um, and he also took charge of the Scottish youth side. So, he, he, you know, he was controlling Scot Scotland from youth up and being the assistant manager to uh, Andy Roxburgh. He led us, you know, as, as assistant manager, really, to uh, World Cups in Italy. Um, in 1990, I think the under-21s also got to the semi-final of the Euro uh, under-21 championship too. So, you know, in that time as assistant manager, he saw a lot. He worked with great players, as he mentioned in the interview. People like Kenny Dalglish were brought up. I mean, absolute world legends of the game. And then in December 1993, he was appointed Scotland manager. I think he was temporary manager uh, for the games against Italy and Malta. And his first field game, as we mentioned, was a game I actually went to, which was against Holland at, um, at Hamden. So that was a while ago, 1994. Um, and, and from then, he took Scotland, which now, which at the time, I don't think people appreciated, but he obviously took us to Euro 96 in the World Cup in 98. And at the time, I think we all just took it for granted, didn't we? We were all just like, oh, well, we should be getting to these tournaments. We should be winning them in some cases. It's not good enough to get knocked out or we lose games we should win. Um, and would you believe at the end, I think the media were kind of on his back and he was criticised a lot at the tail end of his career for certain results or style of play. And we all just thought we would go on to possibly bigger and better things. But what we realised when Craig Brown left was, I think that was the height of the mountain and there was only one way to go and it was down. And as we saw, you know, we've not qualified since uh, the World Cup in 1998. Craig Brown's record was 70 matches played uh, 70 matches as manager and he won 32 games which was an outstanding record uh, for a manager um, and then obviously he went on to manage Preston uh, he had some time at Motherwell as well and ultimately Aberdeen so to have a legend like that on the show building up to what is the biggest game in Scotland's calendar was a real privilege and it was a joy to talk to the guy and we just hope that you know like we said on the interview 
we just hope that right now, you know, Craig Brown's record is he was the last manager when Scotland won a game at Wembley back in 1999. Would you believe um, Don Hutchison scored the winner back then? And as Craig Brown says, we just hope that after this, the next time we finally talk to each other, we hope that record is finally broken and the, the record is taken by Steve Clark. So, um, yeah, we just hope that this is a build-up to what is a very special game at Wembley. And, you know, like I said, Scotland have only won uh, two matches at the Euros against Russia and Switzerland, and both games took place on the 18th of June, so here's hoping. So, enjoy the interview. We are joined by the Scotland ex-manager, Craig Brown. Thanks for joining us on the locker room at the Euros, Craig. Yeah, happy to join you. Look forward to speaking to you. First of all, I'm I'm happy I'm delighted that you've come on because you've uh, over the past couple of weeks you well over the past couple of months your health isn't as wasn't very good. So can you tell us about about that and how you're kind of like feeling now? Well, I'm okay now. I had an aneurysm a few months ago and uh, it's recovered. After the operation I had, and uh, the surgeon says I'm on schedule. My recovery's on schedule, so uh, I'm feeling fine. I'm back driving the car, playing golf, and so uh, it really it's passed and done with. I hope. Yeah, that that's good. And now you're waiting for a call from Skiz Crack to to go on the team. So <laughs> so there you go. Um, I just wanted to kind of like take you back, obviously, to your own '96 Craig. Um, obviously, you make me sicker. Speaking about about your own '96 or on all the interviews that like like you're doing, but I just want you to take you back to Euro 96 as a second. What was it like uh, leading the national team out at, at Euro 96? Well, obviously, it's, uh, it's quite an honour to be the manager of the team. I had been, prior to that, at the two European Championships Scotland had been involved in, and that was, uh, we've only been at, this is the third one now, we've, we've been at three, uh, or sorry, the one before the Euro 96 was 92 in Sweden. So I was at that one, and uh, I was at three World Cups with Scotland. So I was quite experienced to being at a tournament for the national team. Uh, Sir Alec Ferguson took me and the staff to Mexico in 86. I was Andy Roxburgh's assistant in 1990 at the World Cup. And then in 92, I was Andy's assistant when, uh, quite interestingly, only eight teams qualified in 1992. And Scotland was one of the eight. So we were in the last eight of the European Championship in 92. and and. Did, did very well, I felt, in Sweden. So this uh, one we're in now is the third European Championship we've competed in because the one in between was at Euro 96. And, of course, we didn't come out of the group there. There were 16 teams in that, 16 qualified. And we, by goal difference, not goal difference, but by, by goal scored, we failed to get out of the group. Gascoigne did us in, in that one. So I'm hoping Gascoigne's not playing against us uh, tonight. Yeah, yeah. I've just saw that um, I've joined by my co-host, Matthew Erlingargs. Well, hi, Craig. Um, it, was, it was funny that you mentioned earlier on about the Euros because um, Russia 1992 and Switzerland 1996 are supposedly the only victories we've had in the Euros and supposedly both victories took place on the 18th of June. Well, that's coincidence and I hope that's a good omen for <laughs> well, the 18th of June, you know. <laughs> well, uh, we we here's hoping um, because would you believe as well when I was younger taking you even further back I think Michael was talking about ninety six I was actually I think at your first job uh, first game as Scotland manager as well back in nineteen ninety four yeah which one was that 
Which one were you? It was the uh, Netherlands. I don't think it was my very first, but it was one of the early ones, yes. Yeah, so I, I remember your period really well because unfortunately I think I was too young for the while well, you were in the Roxburgh era. Um, but you were really the first manager that I can remember as a kid and obviously I was looking up to yourself and all of the players we had. And I was just wondering, in that period, what who would you say was probably our most talented player? Well, we had a, we had a good number of very talented players. But I think, you know, around my time, we had uh, in midfield, we had an excellent midfield. We had McAllister in midfield, we had Collins in midfield, we had Stuart McCall. Uh, I think the midfield was very strong. And, you know, we had Ali McCoyst up front in the Euro 96 and before it. And we had a very good, I used a back three. And it was Colin Calderwood, Colin Henry and Tommy Boyd. And they were excellent. But arguably, you know, the main man in the Scotland team throughout my time was the goalkeeper. Now, it was either Andy Gorham or Jim Layton. And I'll give you an example of statistics. Jim Layton's got 91 caps for Scotland. And he's lost a, in, in, four, a bigger plan, in 42 of the games, he didn't lose a goal. So 42 clean sheets playing in goal for Scotland. Now, that's not in goal for Germany or Italy mm. or England even. It's a tremendous uh, defensive record. So you're asking me the best player. It might have been one or other of the two goalkeepers. I mean, I don't think we realised how... Um, how lucky we were at that time because even I think players that weren't even getting into your side at the time regularly were, were people like Paul McStay as well and these people were absolute legends to me as well growing up but they couldn't regularly get into Scottish teams so I think we, we just didn't realise during your spell how lucky we were for players and like you say you know Gorham and, um, and we had a sort of decent goalkeeping set up decent defensive set up um, a sort of rare talent midfield that was I just don't think we'll ever maybe see that like again, sadly, for Scotland. Well, you're, you're right, Matthew, but he, you know, I've got to say that Paul McStay was just at the end of his career when I got the job. He was a key man when I was the assistant with Andy Roxburgh. He was probably the best player we had when Andy was the manager in uh, Euro 92. Uh, McStay, absolutely outstanding in midfield. And of course, at that time, we had the other Celtic midfield player, Roy Aiken. So... I've been privileged to be with the Scottish team when we had very, very highly talented players. If you think of the team that uh, I was on the staff at Mexico and we had wonderful players there. Stryker was playing, Sunis was playing, McLeish and Miller were playing up front. We had uh, numerous, Charlie Nicholas got injured in the first game. The Danish sorted him out. <laughs> so, you know, we had, and like anyway, and Steve Archibald, just a a litany of outstanding footballers we had at that time. Now we're getting towards it now, we're getting a bit better now. And I see looking at the Scottish team, some very, very talented players and some young players too who are coming through. So I'm I'm very optimistic, Matthew. I was I was just gonna pick you up on that, Craig, about um looking at the squad currently and it's been our first uh, tournament um, for, for so many years. In fact, the last time we were at a tournament, I was at school, so, so there you go. So that wasn't yes, Craig. Craig's not going to like us, Michael, that's right. So bringing up all this. But, but how, how, how does this uh, current uh, squad, um, how do you see us going, going forward now for the next couple of years? Well, two things. I think we've got a very good manager. And secondly, I think we've got a very good squad of players and there's an evenness of standard. You see, when I had the job, we had what I would call the first choice, 11 or 12, 
players, and then the others were more backup players. But now the squad is uh, quite difficult to pick a, a, a first team from the squad we've got just now because there's an evenness of standard, and the standard is high. I think it's a, a very good quality we've got uh, in the squad just now, Michael. So uh, let's hope that uh, <laughs> Stevie picks a squad tonight that will surprise everyone because it would be a surprise to beat England at Wembley. We've done it before, and I think we can do it again. And and you, I, I just wanted to ask you as well, obviously we've been getting, this has been the longest build-up for, for, for one particular game. Um, they've been building up since like Christmas, I, I think, last year. But do, do you think that the, the media, especially down south, overlooks the Scotland team? Because obviously they speak about Andy Robertson, Tierney, Tierney um, you know, Stuart Armstrong, but these are all players players in England, English teams, they, they, you know, they, they don't speak about the, the players up here, like, like so you have Greg Taylors and, and stuff like that. So I wanted to, I wanted to see how you, you can feel about that. Well, they don't know them. They, they don't know the players based in Scotland. And it's quite sad, actually, that uh, Rangers, the best team in Scotland last season, hadn't one player the, the, the end of the end of the season they played Aberdeen in the final game they didn't have one player in the Scottish team at that they played in that game because the young boy Patterson wasn't in, in the game at the beginning so when the best team in Scotland doesn't have any Scottish players and they're, they're all foreign and mm. Celtic have you know a limited number they've got more they have four or five Scottish players and they're very good but when I had the job Celtic and Rangers had an abundance of Scottish players and both managed to get to European finals at that time. So that tells you the level of them. They were at a higher level then. But it is a good thing for Scotland to have so many players. You mentioned the ones quite correctly uh, there just now, Michael, playing in England. And, and you know, you add to that McTominay, uh, you said Armstrong and you said, uh, who the other, you said uh, the captain Robertson, but there's, you know, McGinn at Aston Villa and McTominay in midfield. And the boy that I think might play tonight up front, uh, Adams at Southampton. Now, I've never seen him playing in the flesh. I've seen him on television. So we're excited about the prospect of uh, Adams playing. And I think you're looking at the Scottish team now, and there are one or two guys in the fringe of things, like didn't play the other night. Forrest, for example. Christie's a very good player. He did play the other night, but he, he, he can play very, very well. And, and James Forrest always plays well in the Scotland international team. So England better look out because there's one or two that didn't play the other night who are likely to be considered for tonight's game. I, I just wanted to go, um, before we go on to, to speak about the game, to, to make, obviously you've had the game on Monday, Craig, and uh, obviously we were, we were all disappointed with the outcome, but how how brilliant was it to see some fans back in the Skigum? Because I don't know about you, but I've been, miss, I've been watching football all season, the same as Matthew, and, you know, you, you miss that, you miss the fans in the Skigum, but it was so nice to see uh, a handful of fans there. Yeah, well, I was one of the handful. I was lucky I got a ticket for mm -hmm. the game at, uh, you know, up there against the Czech Republic at Hamden. And it was uh, an enjoyable ev event because there was support in there. And even although it was a small number, they were very, very, there was only nine and a half thousand there, but they were very, very noisy. And they were supporting the team exceptionally well. I think the players appreciated that. And certainly to be there, 
uh, it, it was pretty empty feeling at uh, Hamden, but the, the small number now, I think we've only got officially, officially, I'm saying that advisedly, four and a half thousand Scottish fans <laughs> at Wembley tonight, but I'm quite sure quite a number of them managed to get tickets through their English contacts and they wouldn't have identified themselves as Scottish fans, but even if there's just 5,000 uh, Scottish fans there, you can be sure tonight you'll hear them and they'll be colourful, they'll be noisy and they'll be well behaved. And that's a good thing about the Scottish fans. They're boisterous, they're happy and, and they're noisy, but they're, they're normally uh, no hooliganism, they're well behaved. Um, can I just ask one thing? Because of course you were there and we've obviously been watching that game on, on Monday on the television and uh, we've all had our opinions on David Marshall, but obviously since you were there, you would have a better view of it. What did you think of David Marshall's positioning for the second goal? Well, I think everyone agrees. You know, I, I don't like to criticise him, but he, he, everyone agrees that he was probably at fault in terms of his starting position, which made it difficult to save the, <laughs> the long-range shot. But it's a one, that's, that's one in a thousand, that shot, more than a thousand. That was absolutely magnificent play. Uh, from the uh, the big boy Sheik uh, that plays at uh, Patrick Sheik that plays for the uh, Czech Republic. Now we're talking about a, a twenty odd million, twenty six million player here, who is a very talented guy who scored the two goals. Now we haven't got anyone at that price range in the in our forwards uh, in the Scottish team. So that's a, I think if you pay that kind of money, you're liable to get that kind of goal. Now it's very easy just to say, oh, well, David Marshall should have saved that. And, you know, with hindsight, he would probably have started a few yards back, five or six yards uh, further back from where he was. But it's hard to criticise him because he had some very good saves in that game. And, of course, his penalty save got Scotland to the finals and he's played exceptionally well for the national team. So I don't know. I don't know Stevie's, Stevie Clark's team tonight, but I would suspect that he will keep his place. And although there's a very good goalkeeper waiting Craig Gordon waiting to come in if he decides to change it. But, you know, it's easy to blame the keeper. Everyone makes a mistake in a game and uh, he certainly probably made a mistake with his positioning, yes. I mean, is that is that how you saw the game going in the sense that, um, I mean, before the goals went in, you kind of thought Scotland were quite comfortable, really. I mean, I don't think we've, I felt we were in much danger as such. Do you think that was the difference between ourselves and the Czech Republic was just that little bit of quality uh, when it came to that final third? Well, the, the difference was the quality of the, the striker, the, you know, the Bayern Leverkusen striker. You know, now the, the guy had played for two teams in Italy, Sampdoria, first of all, and then I think he went to Roma after that, he did. And then from Roma, a big transfer to Bayern Leverkusen. Now, we're talking about a player at the highest possible level. You know, he's not just a player who suddenly appeared in the scene. This guy's got uh, a track record. And it's not surprising that his headed goal was a brilliant header in the first half, and his shot from the halfway line was brilliant in the second half. So that was the difference between the two teams. Now, it may be that England produced someone like that tonight. I hope not. You know, I saw Raheem Sterling's goal. Now, he's live where you need to watch, <laughs> of course, and Harry Kane, guys like that. We've got a difficulty tonight because England have got quite a number of high-quality uh, individual players and they have a good team work ethic as well. So this is a tricky game. The, the thing that uh, strikes me too, England have got every advantage tonight. Two main advantages. One, they've got the home pitch, they're at home. And that's a, that's a good start, it should be anyway. And secondly, they've had a, an extra day's recovery 
Scotland played the day after England. Now, in tournament play, another day's rest is uh, quite beneficial, I can tell you. So, you know, England have the, the benefit of everything going for them. You know, they've got the home, mm. the home crowd, they've got the home pitch, and they've had a little extra rest than the Scottish team. So it's all the more credit when we win tonight. I, w- I was just going to pick you up on that, Clay, when you say England's got the home advantage in every game that they play. How um, how kind of unfair would it be for England to play every game at home? Because that's a bit unusual in the, in the tournament. Well, it's, uh, it's just the way the tournament's worked out, you know, and of course, you know, when Euro 96... All the games were played in England, and they were the host country. And when England won the World Cup, they were all played in England. Now, um, uh, we are always jealous uh, of England, and you say, "What's what are they getting this time? What favours are they getting this time?" These are not favours because France won uh, the World Cup uh, in '98, and they were playing at home as well. So it's obvious that the home team does have the advantage. But I'm just saying, we're playing England tonight, and England are at home. We're away from home, and you know our players have travelled and what have you. Uh, England boys, I think they're at St George's and, and they're not too far to go. So that's an advantage for England. But the main advantage, I think, an extra day mm-hmm. when you're playing a tournament and there's quite a lot of games, you know, they're thick and fast, you're playing maybe three in a week or so. The extra day is quite significant to get rid of the bumps and bruises. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've had that advantage as well. And uh, you will say, if, uh, well, the English people will say, well, we've got another advantage, we'll get better players than you. <laughs> now, I'm not going to concede to that. I'm not giving in and saying they're better players. But if you took the valuation of every English player and wrote down the valuation of the equivalent Scottish player, I think they would be much, much more valued uh, the English boys. The, the price you would pay for each English player would be far in excess of what you play for each Scottish player in the same position. We, we, we spoke about Scotland's performance on Monday, but um, if I can take you back 24 hours before at Wembley, obviously um, England was playing Croatia. don't know if you saw that game, Craig, but I, I don't know, what, what, was your, what was your reaction to that game? I saw the England-Croatia game, eh? I did see yeah. it, and, and what I think we've got to remember here is that Croatia have been traditionally in recent years a very fine team. Now, they've tailed off a little in the last 18 months or so. They're not quite as efficient as they were, and Modric is getting older. But uh, I saw the game, and England were comfortable in that mm-hmm. game. You know, they won just by the one goal, but they could have won by more. There wasn't any danger looking at the game of Croatia causing an upset in that game. That was my opinion, that England definitely were better than Croatia. And uh, I would expect England to... Uh, you know, to be second in the group after Scotland. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite looking forward to Croatia coming next week to Hamden. I'm going to that game, and I think we'll beat Croatia in, in Scotland. But uh, I'm hoping we'll beat England, but I'm thinking we'll beat Croatia. I've been watching Skibby Clark's press conferences, especially the one yesterday, and I was quite kind of cool, calm and collective going, going into this kind of game. Uh, obviously, you, you might know him, but um, he, he comes across as always as a, as a kind of cool guy, you know? He is a cool guy. He's a real football guy. He's, he's steeped mm. in football. He loves his football. And he's got a very good sense of humour, which you mm. don't, don't see in, in the interviews. But, you know, he's, he's light-hearted. 
he, he likes to get a, sm a smile, although sometimes, you know, when you look at him, he says, oh, he's quite doer and, and, and uh, unsmiling. But, you know, Steve Clark's got a personality which you don't see in the interviews that he gives on television. And the players all know that. Uh, I know that because I know him. And uh, he, he has got a, a good opportunity uh, often to smile. And he does smile, believe it or not. And I'm hoping he's smiling tonight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll be the first manager since yourself to win at Wembley. So I take it then you're definitely hoping that he beats you, he finally knocks you off that Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping he does because uh, it would be terrific for Scotland to win at Wembley tonight. That would be a great boost, uh, not just to that team, but to the game of football in Scotland and to the nation. You know, we've got this inferiority complex because England seem to have the benefit of everything. And certainly they've got the benefit of the size of the population and the number of professional teams and things like that. But, you know, when you're the underdog as we are, it's a greater achievement, we feel, if we manage to win the game. And hopefully, mm. you know, we'll be feeling happy tonight. I was just going to say, if we, if we win or get a point at least, um, that, that would be good. But do you think more people will take the, the Scottish team a bit more seriously now, if you do that? Well, I don't think anyone take, takes them other than seriously. I think we're, we're respected. The Scottish team's respected. And, uh, you know, wherever you play, they say, well, we've got a half game, we're playing Scotland. So I think uh, that'll be the case tonight. And I think we'll prove that it'll be difficult to beat Scotland. And uh, with any luck, we might get a break and we could win the game. But, you know, I think England will expect to win. And the fact their fans will most definitely expect England to win. But uh, uh, all I'll say to them is don't underestimate Scotland. Do, do you think as well, me and Matthew were speaking about this on the show um, a few weeks ago before the, the Euroscarkey, but do you think that Lee Griffiths would be a bit annoyed about not making the squad um, for, for, for the Euros? Well, I think so. I think having scored two goals against England, uh, two free kicks uh, when they played them last, you know, he might have thought uh, he should be in the squad, but uh, he's not been playing regularly. Uh, consistently for Celtic so it's very difficult for the manager to pick up a, a guy that's not first choice at his club and I think uh, Lee's problem of late apparently has been his fitness he's not been fit enough to be selected all the time for Celtic so therefore you know it'd be hardly likely that Scotland are going to pick him but you know I always think if he's in the team and uh, you get a chance in front of goal the, the best man for that chance to fall to is Lee Griffiths <laughs> and if you get a free kick out round about the box somewhere, mm. the best one to take it is Griffiths. Yeah. But you can't put him in the team if he's not turning it out, turning in the performances for his club. Mm. And that's the problem. It'd be easy to, to pick him on sentiment, but you've got mm. to pick guys that can do 90 minutes and that are liable to work hard for you and that are fully fit. And apparently, I don't know, but apparently Lee Griffiths hasn't been fully fit for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with the Lee Griffiths thing, um, we just kind of felt that, you know, Forrest mm. is in the squad and Forrest has been injured for a lot of this season. But, I mean, like you said, Craig, I think we just thought sometimes, maybe instead of a defender or a midfielder, maybe if we were struggling, Lee Griffiths just brings that spark uh, whether that is a set piece, whether that is even from a corner, or whether, like you say, it's in front of goal, we just thought, you know, like we were saying about the Czech Republic, we kind of missed that 
sort of class up front and Lee Griffiths just brought that um, and maybe it was just coming off the bench for 10, 15, 20 minutes but maybe Lee Griffiths could have provided that quality that we were lacking um, but like, so, so we were kind of thinking that but another thing about the Czech Republic game that I felt we missed was Tierney not being in the squad how do you feel Tierney missing um, affected the game? A huge miss uh, that's, uh, you know, Matthew you're absolutely right you've hit the nail right in the head there we've had to play without our best player uh, now, no country likes, well, people could argue maybe Robertson's the best player, but apparently playing for Scotland recently, the feeling is that our best our best player has been Tierney, and Tierney was unable to play. I was at three World Cups for Scotland, and on every occasion our best player didn't go through injury. And, and you're not going to tell me that we were playing in, in Mexico, and we drew with Uruguay in the last game, and we hadn't our best player over there in the squad, he was injured. Kenny Dalglish. No one will tell me that if Kenny Dalglish had been with us, we wouldn't have won that game. I'm sure we would have won it. Then we go to Italy in the World Cup, and our best player in Scotland that season was Davy Cooper of Rangers. Davy Cooper was injured and couldn't go. Then I had the team in France in '98, and our best player got injured in, in a club game in England, Gary McAllister. And Gary McAllister couldn't go. So we lost Dalglish, Cooper, and McAllister for big tournaments and we lost Tierney for the first game. I hope it's only the first game we've lost him for in this tournament. So we, quite honestly, we've been desperately unlucky with injuries to not just to anyone, to arguably our best player. So Tierney back tonight will be a big help to Scotland. Definitely. I mean, yeah, it's, it just shows you maybe, Craig, you've brought up a bit of a thing for Scotland. Maybe we're, maybe we're just destined not to have any luck in major tournaments. And it's, it's, it's strange when you think of all these little players, like you think Scotland, uh, we've lost our best player, players of the calibre, Kenny Dalglish. Do, do you think if Scotland had uh, the luck to have these players available, we'd maybe have a bit better of a chance in tournaments because, I mean, players of the calibre of Dalglish, you just can't replace. Well, there's no doubt. It was absolutely. We played Uruguay in the final game and they were reduced early in the game to 10 men and they managed to eke out a nothing each draw. Now, no one can convince me that if Dalglish had been playing, we would only get a nothing each draw. He's got such talent. We would certainly have won that game, in my opinion. The same when we were in the, uh, in the next uh, World Cup in Italy. If Cooper had been playing uh, and been fit to play, it would have been totally different. Uh, and, and I, we were a bit unfortunate, I felt, in the World Cup in 98 in France. And again, uh, with the provision of Gary McAllister in midfield, I think the results would have been much better for Scotland. They were reasonably good, apart from the last game, where the result against the Morocco. It didn't reflect the game because we had far more of the game than the, the result indicated. We had more possession, we had more shots, we had more everything, corner kick, we had more of everything. And yet we lost three nothing. <laughs> Quite incredible. And yet to get there, we only lost three goals in 10 games in the qualifying group. So then we lose three in the one game against Morocco, which was totally uncharacteristic. And I don't think uh, uh, that would have happened normally. In fact, I'm sure it wouldn't. And with McAllister controlling the midfield, I think we would have even more of the ball. So I think injuries have handicapped Scotland massively. And, and I include that against the Czech Republic last week because without Tierney, there's a different, a different chemistry in the team. It's not quite as the same 
uh, bike free that he plays in the bike free there, and it's not quite the same. And he was able to break forward from there and, and, and influence the midfield, which obviously in turn influences the forward play. So, you know, we missed Tierney, and uh, he's back tonight. I see in the in the media. So let's hope uh, he plays his normal game, and we'll be delighted. I mean, Craig, is that is that how you see? I mean, players like O'Donnell get a lot of stick. Um, obviously being a right wing back who doesn't seem to get forward as much but is that why um, Clark plays players like O'Donnell because he likes Tierney to come forward yes. and overlap and that just creates you know O'Donnell can move into the right back slot and create a bit of a four at the back and allow Tierney to get forward is that basically so, his yeah. role so so when Tierney's out it really does affect the team well it affects the team it affects the balance of the team you know mm. the, when, when Tierney's there it's a different team, and we can build. We build a lot of attacks starting with Tierney at the back, and and as you see, he breaks forward, and he's a very very dangerous lad when he's in the midfield with that ball, and he can even hit the front, you know. And you're right in saying that a guy like O'Donnell has to pull in, and the, the, the back three becomes a back two if Tierney leaves. So to make it three again, the, the, the full back on the other side's got to tuck in, and that's what happens. But uh, I'm hoping that uh, he'll play tonight. And I'm hoping, well, O'Donnell knows his role there. They were complaining about him. I wasn't, but they were complaining about him against the Czech Republic that they might have to change the right-back position. But I'll tell you who's played well as a wing-back there quite often for Scotland is James Forrest. So Forrest could go in there and certainly do the positive, the offensive part of it. But the defensive bit is a little more worrying with James Forrest, although he's very diligent and very, very conscientious and matching runs and, and defending. But we haven't got anyone other than uh, the young boy Patterson to play it right back. Now, Patterson's young and promising, but whether he's uh, experienced enough to play against England is maybe another matter. Do, do you think that, um, well, obviously six points would be good, but do you think that four points would be would do as well to um, qualify for the next round? Yes, I think so. You never know, but I think Four points would do us. <laughs> where we are right now, I would take four points. I would take a draw and a win in the last two games, and and I think that would put us through without being the best third. That would probably put us through in second place. Yeah, yeah, of course. That the that uh, the top three of the of the kind of Euro groups. That that's what's kind of helped. Does a wee bit um, uh, if we if we do kind of want to make but do, do you feel as though that if we don't get anything to make that's it for us for, for the Euros I, I, I'm trying to be positive here but you know <laughs> well, I know yeah. that's a bit of a negative question but you know well if we don't get anything tonight it's really between ourselves and Croatia now if Croatia win tonight uh, and we don't get anything we've got a problem because we're to play Croatia in the last game, and, and mm. if, if we're going into the last game with no points, and they're, and they're going into the game, if they win tonight against the Czech Republic, Czech Republic and Croatia will have three mm. points each, you know, and, and England will have six. So we'll be detached at the bottom, and, you know, the best we can then get is three points. So we'll be looking at one or other Czech or, or, uh, or Croatia, and it becomes then a battle of goal difference. Mm. And, and, and our goal we're minus two at the moment and if we don't win tonight that will at least be minus three so you start with a minus three goal difference uh, it, I think if, if we don't get anything tonight it's going to be very very difficult unless unless the Czech Republic uh, beat 
Croatia. And if they beat Croatia, that means, you know, Croatia are, are with no points as well. So that'll be a battle. Uh, if we both ended up with no points going into the last game, Croatia and Scotland, uh, Scotland and Croatia at Hamden, that will be the deciding, deciding fixture. And even if, you know, if, if one of us wins that, there'll be a third place. Now, will the third place be good enough? Will it be one of the four best thirds? That's what we've got to consider. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, variables still to you know, think about before the, the begin to the match play uh, situation. But I've got to point out and, and remind people, and I see the press, they don't seem to have cottoned on that in the past, we've been in the last eight of this championship. We've been in the last 16 already. <laughs> now we're trying to get to the last 16 and everyone's saying that'll be wonderful. But we've been there twice before. Uh, the twice we've been in the European Championship, 92 and 96, we were in the last 16. And in 92, we were better than that, we were in the last eight. So it would be great to get into the last eight. And I think we're capable, I think we're capable of getting a point here and beating Croatia. Uh, uh, and that would, I'm sure, put us right into the tournament. I mean, we, we, uh, we've done a show after the Horden game, Craig, the other week, and I was thinking, I was thinking to Matthew um, on the show, you know, okay, that was a friendly and really big, I mean, um, a lot of us just like a warm-up game for the tournament. But if you gave me two eats before that game against Holland, I would, I would have took it. Because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people would have thought, well, Scotland's going to get beat maybe four or five now here, you know. But um, And again, they, they were unlucky, you, you know, with, with a... You know, with, with the foul, it wasn't the foul as well. But but in saying that, I was I, I was also saying um, even if it wasn't a, the foul, I think of the game, the guy still got could put the ball in the net. There was some goal by by Depay. You know, he's, yeah, he's quite a good player. The pity he's no got a Scottish dance, uh, <laughs> or something. Michael, you're absolutely right. What you're saying because I watched the game against the Netherlands. And uh, we, we've actually, all, in my, my time, in my experience, we've always done well against them. And we did exceptional. They were lucky to get away with a two-each draw. Mm. So that surely must give us confidence. If we can do that against the, the Netherlands or Holland, we can do it against England, at least a two-each draw. And, you know, I thought we played exceptionally well on that occasion. And, uh, you know, they were, they were anointed to get an equaliser. Mm to make it 2-2, because twice we were ahead in the game and deservedly ahead in the game. So let's let's not underestimate ourselves. Uh, certainly tonight, we've got to try and do it, and I hope we will. Maybe, maybe if there's one nation on earth that can lose probably the easiest on paper of the three games and then still qualify, Scotland would probably be that nation that would somehow pull something out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope you're right there. I don't, I don't care how we get there, but I'd like to get to the match play, you know, the knockout stage. Mm. But but I've got to remind, I don't need to remind you guys, but I've got to remind the media in Scotland that it's, it's as if we'd never been mm -hmm. to to the knockout stage before. And I mean, we've been in the last eight because Andy Roxburgh is there. And, and it's saying, I read in the paper this morning, to get into the uh, match play knockout stage for the first time. Well, that's nonsense, because we've been there twice before. Uh, and, and the only two other occasions we've been at the European Championship. But uh, <laughs> it will be an achievement, and, and that's what they're really saying, to get from this new structure. And the new structure is all about money. 
you know, obviously get more teams in it, 24, 24 teams. And there were 55 teams in, in UEFA and 24 of them were here. So we're privileged and we're, we're fortunate that we're one of them. Now, if we manage to get out of the group, we're into the last 16, which is good again. So we're out of the, the 55, we're down to the last 16. And I genuinely think we can get beyond that. I, I do, I'm maybe foolishly optimistic, but you know, I think we can get to at least the last eight, maybe four. <laughs> well, I would just like to thank you, Craig, um, for, for joining us tonight on the locker room. I know that you've been doing interviews and interviews um, as well, but um, hopefully you, hopefully that's the end of, end of the interviews and we'll see a Scottish victory tonight. So thanks for joining us. I'm hoping I'm doing interviews right up to the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we might, we might have you back on at the semi-final then, Craig. I'll yeah. be delighted, yeah. delighted. If you're not final, I'll be delighted to talk about it till the cows come home. <laughs> yeah, all right. Cheers. Thanks. I'd and do you know what, Craig? Craig, just quickly, it's an honour to speak to someone who managed to win thirty-two games out of seventy for Scotland. Um, and like I said, you were one of my heroes growing up, just uh, in that Scotland period when you were a manager. So it's, uh, it's been an honour to speak to well, you. Well, Matthew, thanks very much. And a guy told me that it's quite interesting. A guy told me the other day, you know, you had seventy games, and then fifty of them we weren't beaten. But he said there were quite a few draws there. But uh, you've you've given me another statistic that you know I'm quite unaware of it. But the, the guy alerted me to the fact that. You know, 50 times they weren't beaten. So that meant, uh, you know, there was another 20 uh, out of the 70 where we were beaten. <laughs> so uh, you say 32 wins. Well, I'm quite happy with that. I think that's not too bad. That's brilliant. <laughs> thanks, Craig. Well, thanks, thanks very much. And I respect uh, both of you and the, the knowledge that you have of, of Scotland and of the game of football. So thank you indeed for inviting me. So um, hopefully you enjoy the interview with Craig Brown and the next game we'll speak to you is hopefully with three points for Scotland at Wembley. Come on, Scotland. 